All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fucking ears, what the fuck nicks, what the fuck Adelphians? Thank you, Philadelphia. Had a live one on Monday, and I didn't get a chance to uh, to reach out to the people that came out to the five sold-out shows I did at Helium Comedy Club in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Man, that was fucking great. Uh, oh, by the way, I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening to my show. I appreciate it. Uh, what the fuck, Adelphians? Yeah, we did it, man. Those were great shows. I'm glad you guys came out. Thank you for all the uh, cookies and chocolates and brownies and cakes and whatever the hell those Oreo things were. Could somebody, who was in charge of that? Could that woman please write me an email and tell me what the hell those Oreo things were? They were like a dense Oreo cake. It felt like crushed, some sort of hybrid between Oreos and a Rice Krispie treat. I don't even know what they were, but I took one bite of one. I was like, it had the, it had the consistency of, of dense hashish. Uh, and I actually smoked some of it and it was fucking mind blowing. No, but it had this texture and it was completely different and had the familiar taste of Oreo. Am I just going to go on about some sort of cookie brownie? God damn, it was good. And I don't know who gave it to me. Uh, But that aside, talk about Philly in a minute. Let me get some business out of the way here. Today, Dylan Moran is here, the Irish comedian from Ireland. Uh, He is here. He is here in the garage. And we we had a lovely chat. You know, I've got my things about Ireland and uh, he's got his things about here, and we had our thing about things. We had a lot in common. It's a good talk. Uh, if you're a fan of Dylan Moran or you don't know him and you live in the Bay Area, he'll be at the Marines Memorial Theater uh, this Friday and Saturday, the 14th and 15th, uh, if you want to go to Ticketmaster for those things. Because these guys, that come over here, and not everybody knows who they are, but this guy's the real deal. Great comic, great raconteur, philosopher, nice chat. Coming your way in just a few minutes, but Philadelphia, come on, can we can we speak openly? Can we speak frankly? What a great fucking city that is. Look, I haven't been back there in like two years because frankly it frightens me. Uh, but I, I I heard the calling. I I don't know what the calling was, but I think I might have been sitting on my deck and somewhere off in the clouds. I heard, "What are you a pussy? Come on, what the fuck's wrong with you? What are you What are you a pussy? Come back." That's how Philadelphia talks in my mind. So I ended up there. And uh, as you know, leading up to this, I spoke fondly and longingly for some of the sandwich action that they have in Philly. So I had to go chase that down, like right out of the gate. I got in that cab. I had like an hour before the Knicks closed. And I, I, I literally was in that cab or that car service. And I'm like, step on it, dude. I got to shove some sandwich in my face. I need, a, I need a mouthful of meat right now. That sounded a little gross. But I needed that pork sandwich, that Italian pulled pork with sharp provolone cheese and broccoli rob on it. And we made it, man. We made it to Reading Terminal. And I was staying right across the street. And I got there and they were out of pork. They were out of fucking everything. And I'm I didn't lose my cool. I'm a grown man. I'm not going to lose my shit and say things like, that's all you fucking have is this sandwich. Why don't you have this sandwich? I said, all right, you know what? I'm cool. I can wait till tomorrow. But that was just one of the sandwiches I ate. Man, I bet you're riveted. You're like, is Mark going to tell us about every fucking sandwich he ate? I might. So, all right, let's go. uh, Let's go sandwich by sandwich, experience by experience, if we could. The Philadelphia experience. So hung up. 
I, you know, I was, I was obsessed on the Danix sandwich. So the following day, I went to Danix. I ate the pulled Italian pulled pork, sharp provolone, broccoli rob with a little bit of vinegar and oil on it. Fucking awesome. Then someone told me I got to go to Paisans. So I made my way down to Paisans. Paisans in the Italian section of Philly. And I had a, I think it was a, a brisket sandwich with uh, provolone cheese, some sauce, uh, uh, a fried egg. Uh, beautiful. That was good. Not as good as the Knicks. I don't care. I, if I start a war in Philly, so be it. If I start a war of, uh, with Philly people against me, so be it. Then went to John's Roast Pork. Got another lift to John's Roast Pork. Had the Roast Pork Sharp Provolone hot peppers, uh, and, and spinach. And that was good. But Denix wins. All right. Denix wins. I was so full of fucking meat by the time I left Philadelphia. I didn't know what to do with myself. Now here is the interesting thing about Philadelphia. It's one of the great American cities. It's one of the original American cities. A lot of things went down. They have buildings from the 1700s there. No, nothing looks like that, by the way. Boston, similar thing where you walk around certain parts of Boston or Philadelphia and you're like, holy shit, these are the real deal. And, you know, honestly, there's some history in, in Philly. Yeah, I was there for, what, four days. And you'd think, hey, why not go down to the old city, take in some of the roots of America? Where is your national pride, man? Go down there. Go down there and, and speculate about history. I've never been a good student. I don't know what I should know about the history of my own country. So I would just go down there. I'd wander around. I'd go to the visitor center. I'd get a brochure. I'd read half of it and I'd be like, ugh, homework. And then I'd just walk around going, oh, I think that's the that's place where they, they talked about the thing. And that's, oh, they signed the thing in there. And oh my God, I had um, he had a printing shop too. Is there anything Ben Franklin didn't do? Holy shit, I'm surprised he didn't have a podcast in the 1700s, that Ben Franklin fella. Oh, who broke that bell? Did the communists do that? Who's in charge of the bell? Why did it get broken? What is happening here? Is there a sandwich nearby? I need a sandwich. So, you know, that was my experience. Didn't see much history, drove by some of it. But uh, towards the end of the trip, not unlike, uh, <laughs> it's just, just who I am. You know, I just panicked and I'm like, dude, you got to go have, you got to go put something in your head, put something new in your head, learn something, have an experience that isn't, that doesn't involve a sandwich. Okay. Can you do that? And I went to the art museum and they had a, uh, an exhibit there called, I think it was called Cage, Cunningham, Johns, Rauschenberg and Duchamp. And it was a, a, a themed show around the work of Mears Cunningham, uh, John Cage, uh, Robert Rauschenberg and Jasper Johns and how Duchamp, Duchamp's, in you know, influenced their work uh, ideologically and uh, aesthetically. And, you know, they had some John Cage music, which was, I walked in and, you know, I've got a soft spot in my heart for this. Obviously, they're all great artists. Yeah, I don't know a lot about a lot of things, but I, I know some things about a few things. But you walk in, there was a couple player pianos there playing John Cage music, which is always, you know, sort of interesting, uh, atonal, some of it, some of it dissonant, some of it sparse, some of it including noises, uh, some of it including, you know, gravelly sounds. But they had a live performance going on. There was basically a guy with a computer of some kind with a lot of plugs coming into it coming out of it, plugging into another box that came out speakers. And there was another guy on the ground with a guitar that was laid down that he was playing uh, with a tuning fork. He was hitting the tuning fork and putting the end of the tuning fork on the body of the guitar uh, to, to vibrate the pickups and the strings that way. And then there was a saxophone player who was just blasting out random notes here and there, uh, making some noises with his reed, some blowing noises. And 
it's uh, I've said this about uh, this type of art before. It's easy to condescend this, but man, if you lock in and you realize you're in the hands of professionals, that shit can take you out there. And it was also one of those things where I had a moment like, why am I not doing more of this with my comedy? Where are the risks? Where are my dance moves? Where where can I just use sounds as texture and environment building uh, 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 as an environment building method or aesthetic? Where's just random blurts of poetry of non sequiturs? Uh, where is that stuff? I, I'll tell you where it was. It was at the Museum of Art in Philadelphia. I could do it on stage, but I think I'd be misunderstood. Perhaps I'll integrate some of that into it, and, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'll get somewhere with that. And then I needed a sandwich. That's how everything ends on this monologue. Then I ate a sandwich. Don't underestimate the power of a fucking awesome sandwich. Philly is a fucking awesome sandwich. Lovely time. Had a good hamburger, too. I was so filled with meat, I had to go on a, you know, a strict kale-only cleansing diet wait oh my god i forgot my own gigs i'll be in fort lauderdale at the improv in the hard rock january 4th 5th and 6th i'll be at good nights in raleigh north carolina the 10th 11th and 12th of january so go do those things guy need a sandwich let's talk to dylan morin You a comic book guy? I was a comic nut when I was a kid. I had two thousand Marvel comics in Ireland, which is not easy to do. Wow. When I was twelve, you know, you get as a Catholic, you get confirmed. You want those? Yeah, sure. You get confirmed in Ireland. You know, I mean, I wasn't a practicing Catholic. We weren't, but the, that's what you do. So for my, you know, you get a bunch of money. Yeah. It's like a bar mitzvah or whatever. Yeah. They give you money, and, yeah. uh, and you have to renounce the devil. Yeah. And, that's, uh, that's the payoff. Yeah, but I didn't. I remember that. I, I remember, remember when it came to the bit of renouncing the devil of just keeping my lips closed. It's just I refused to do that. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't ready to, to, I, to break that up yet? I didn't know what he was offering. You know, I hadn't <laughs> seen the, the whole deal. He's, he seemed like an interesting guy from yeah. all the books you'd read. Yeah, he must, he must have, you know, maybe he had something to offer. So I hedged my bets there, but I took the money. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, you're 12 years old and you've got 100 pounds or 200 pounds or whatever it is. And... Um, you know, they say, what do you want? This is your day. What do you want to do? So I wanted to go to uh, to Dublin, which is 30 miles away. I grew up in the country. And there was um, a, a shop called The Alchemist's Head. Yeah. Which was like, like a, I don't know what you would call it here, a head shop, but they sold underground comics. It was one of those those caves. Uh, if you have a certain type of mind as a child, it's a place that you have to be part of. Yeah, absolutely. That, that you, like, you know from the outside that like all the answers all are in the there. All the cool stuff is in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. So they had um you know Robert Crumb comics and all that oh, stuff. Yeah, I had the same experience in a head shop. And uh I was so I just I loved that stuff when I was 12. And my I then my friends would borrow it and their mothers would rip it up. Oh really? Yeah. Cuz they they knew what the devil was. Yeah, they had they had done the deal. They were contractually <laughs> obligated. Yeah. The the parents were definitely actively uh, uh renouncing the devil at every turn. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I had the same sort of education. There was a head shop, a head shop, and uh, the Robert Crumb stuff. That I don't know that I would have known what sex looked like or or how uh, hippies handled things or, you know, what drugs were about if it weren't for comics. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, well, certainly in Ireland, you needed all the counterculture you could get. Well, what what does that mean? Like in terms of, uh, was it actually hard to get that stuff? In a- oh, for sure. I mean, you know, the, the the women's magazines, for instance, in Ireland, you know, Cosmopolitan, all the famous ones, yeah. the Irish ones couldn't carry ads for abortion. 
I didn't know that they carried ads for abortion. Well, they did in Britain, you know, like clinics and so on. Oh, right, you know, right, right. You know, all kinds of so the the, the all British ki- all kinds of women women's health issues, all kinds of uh, oh, okay, you know, all that so, stuff. But they couldn't carry those in Ireland, right? Because you were under the the rule. Well, because it was a theocracy in all but name, right? Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So the church, which has recently collapsed in Ireland, effectively, when I was a kid, there was there was ninety percent, ninety five percent of the population went to mass every Sunday. When I was a kid, how old are you now? I'm 41. Really? Yeah. And uh, and 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 now 10% of the population goes. So that's pretty incredible in in space of 30 years. What do you think happened? Was it the the, the pedophilia thing, or yeah, no, it was completely. It was like it was. Do you know what it was most like? I think it was most like the Soviet uh, um, model because what happened was that it just was uns- it was unsustainable. The 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 the, the, the schizophrenic. Um, mindset required to prop up the whole show, right? Was unsustainable. Which means that you know we're really a business, and we got to keep the minds of the uh, followers fucked. Well, you, you, when you have nothing, when you have nothing, you know, poor people pray more than rich people. Sure, because rich people have, have got a ton of shit all around them. Yeah, how do they accept being poor if they don't pray? And they're busy, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You, so to put up with your lot, you pray, right? And that's um. That's what they did. That's what they had. They yeah. had nothing. Um, uh, they didn't have enough. And I don't mean material stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean a life. I mean, self-respect and you know, uh, a, a complex, fulfilling existence around them yeah. with things to do yeah. and people to know and places to go. They didn't have that. Right. So they had God. Yeah. You know. I get to, it. To take care of business. Sure. And then. The organization that was hawking God uh, in Ireland, the Catholic Church, while they were doing that, were also destroying the lives of the the children of, of the children of, yeah. the, of the country. So they could. There's no way to. So it. that was built in. Right. It was uh, corruption, built in degradation. It was going to collapse. Some, but but sometime. it was like the ultimate corruption. It wasn't just oh, some it, sort it, of it, like it, bad land yeah, deal. Yeah, exactly. It's it doesn't get any worse than that. I mean, yeah. that's it. That's yeah. that's the end. That, that is. There, there's no. Uh, there's no next on that list. No, there isn't. There isn't. What what could be worse? That's it. It's Armageddon, <laughs> and it was happening every day. You know, uh, under wraps, really. Yeah. And it was this conspiracy of silence. But like hardcore, like it was pure politics. It was, it they was, all knew it was like a boys' club. Yeah. They knew all of them knew. It's not like people were getting together to have minutes and meetings, saying, "Okay, let's abuse children in this in this county and then move on to that one." But at the same time. The whole system of exceptions and denial and looking away was institutionalized. Did you have any experience of that firsthand? No, I didn't directly, no, but I know lots of people who did. That I'm, you went to school with? Yeah, people that I grew up with, yeah. people that, And then it would come out later, you know, in, in life, people would say, oh yeah, this happened to me, this sort of incident. I was a loud, brash, you know, a, a rebellious kind of You weren't teenager. hot to the priest. I, no, I was. I used to make a <laughs> pretty terrible joke about that, but I was. I was. The po- I think the point is, I was. I was a loudmouth, so yeah. I was. I was trouble, and I think that they would tend to stay away from those kids. They just beat you guys up. Well, yeah, they would just get rid of you, or you know, yeah. put you away. Could, yeah. But they, but they, I think what happens, you know, and this is a really tragic subject. But what happens is that. They 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 tended to target vulnerable kids. Right. So you're talking about kids in in orphanages and um, you know care homes of all kinds. This is what this is what went on. Now your folks, uh, I mean, did, were you? Is there was there a? You could definitely see that there was no way in the majority of the Catholics, there was no way for them to accommodate or forgive the epidemic of this thing. It's that, unforgivable completely. Right. Because I, I always wondered that about that. I, I'm, you know, I'm not Catholic, though. Our names are only, you know, if you switch two letters, we have the same last name. Yes. You're Morin. 
Is that how you say That's it? right, yeah. And I'm Marin. Mm-hmm. For years, when I lived in Boston, people insisted I was Marin. of your, of your, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of your yeah. tribe. Yeah. But uh, n- they knew after a few minutes of talking to me that that couldn't possibly be. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you went to Catholic school? Yeah, well, everybody did. I mean, unless you, uh, you know, unless you were born into a Protestant family or you, I think there might have been one or two... I don't even know if there was a secular school in Dublin at the time. There must have been something. But um, no, that was the the church were riven into every facet of society, especially education, you know, because that's what um, that's where you get promotes it, yeah. promotes it and keeps yeah. it going. Um, so it wasn't a some schools were entirely staffed by clergy. Mine wasn't. There yeah. were some. Um, but uh, we were we I, we I grew up in this tiny house and we were. How many we were, family? Uh, well, me and my parents. That's, that's it. it. So, and we were secular. We didn't go to church. Well, we were the only people on our. Well, you're clearly secular. There's only one kid in the family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but so we didn't go to church. But yeah. everybody else did. Every lit, quite literally, everybody I knew went to church. Right. Except me. You got off easy. I I did really. I didn't have to buy into the bullshit. I used to go to I used to go to friends' houses, you know, to play and have. Yeah what we would call tea, you yeah. know, where you eat about five or six o'clock. Sure. And um, and this thing called the Angelus would come on, okay? So uh, this, so on your television screen, it would be on the radio and the television simultaneously, you'd get a picture of some, you know, Giotto or some uh, 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 Christian iconography, okay? The Madonna and Child no. would come up. And, uh, and you'd hear this, bong, 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 for a minute. Yeah. Or, or, and it may be more than a minute. What are you supposed to be doing? You're supposed to be on your knees saying the Angelus, oh, okay. which is where you have the rosary beads, right. and there's a prayer cycle you're supposed to go through. Right. And of course, I didn't know the words. Is that when you move the beads? You move the beads, you click-clack the beads, and everybody's on their knees, and it's really rapid, okay? Yeah, so yeah. I, and I didn't know any of the words. So, so I would be on my knees with my friends because I was having tea in their house, yeah. and I would have to go, let's go surfing now, everybody's yeah. looking hard, let's go surfing <laughs> with me. Not, not audibly, obviously. <laughs> no, but just to, to be mumbling <laughs> something. You needed to pass, and you yeah. used the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. As your ticket to uh, not seeming like a freak. Well, what did your old man do? I mean, what was the business that enabled him to do? He's a carpenter, a secular carpenter. Yes. Huh? Like he did like houses, or did he build uh, cabinetry? He or? made kitchens. He made all kinds of furniture, stores, antiques. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah. And what? What? Why? How? How did he have the uh, the courage to uh, to be secular in such an environment? It was just not his bag. Or? No, that was exactly it. It was just not his bag. He just made up his own mind. You know, he just was, was wasn't taking it. That's so lucky. Yeah, I was. I feel. I feel in retrospect. Uh, I do feel very lucky about that. Yeah, you know that I didn't have to go through the motions of all the horseshit. I mean, you did in school because the, the class got taken to. But you never had the fear of God instilled in you. No, never. I never. I never. I, well, you know, the thing is, you, I don't want to exaggerate the freedom from that because once it's a once it's it was wraparound, you know. So the fear everywhere. You mean. Or the trepidation, or whatever yeah. you want to call it, or the or just that. I tell you what, you what you do get as a Catholic. I have this, you know, gag in the show uh, about you know Twitter. It's not even a joke. It's just true. I think who, who I, I grew up in a Catholic country. Who, if you if you're Jewish or Twitter or Jewish or Catholic, you don't need Twitter because yeah. you get internal updates all the time. You're fatter than you were thirty seconds ago. <laughs> Everybody hates you. You're a piece of shit. Ping. You know that yeah. goes on all yeah. the time. Well, now you get to share it with the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You take that narcissism and push it out into the ether. And that's all it is. You of know, course. all those all those dig tech platforms are. Right, it's like uh, it's it's a type of it's a type of crack, you know. Depending on how many followers you have, that you can get immediate validation for all yeah, of your bullshit. It's extraordinary. I I I, I am constantly amazed the number of quite sensible. 
You're not on it. Bright people, I know. No, I'm not. Um, Yet. No, never, never. Come, wait, I've met plenty of never people. Oh, no, no, no. Are you kidding me? I don't have the, you know, returning calls and all that stuff. That's I, enough? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But once you get locked into Twitter, man, and no, you, know, no, you, no. Pull, yeah, you could pull in quite a few followers right out of the gate and you know, be in direct contact well, with want, your people. I don't want followers. I don't want, uh, you know, this is sinister stuff to me. I grew up, like I'm saying, about You're not the ready to lead, no, Dylan? <laughs> I'm really not. No, no. I, it's terrible. It's, uh, you know. The world is waiting. No, no. The world is not waiting. The world is crazy with leaders <laughs> and followers. They don't need any more. Well, yeah, I mean, you can be like me. Be sort of, uh, you know, not a leader, but just a guy that, uh, needs a bit of attention every few minutes. Listen, everybody loves attention, but it's about the quality of attention you're going to get. You know, if you're prepared to sit down and work on something, mm. you sit down, you try and make something good. Right. You try and make something that you would want to see or hear. Right. And and that's what you share. Right. You don't share, the, you know... The I'm fat today, and you know, guess fat. what I ate, here's yeah. a picture of it. Yeah, yeah. What's this thing on my foot? Yeah, I had a really good bowel movement, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. <laughs> Who needs it? Please. It makes you a human. You're already human. You're already human. Be a better human. Keep that stuff to yourself. It's like all the stuff that's all the stuff that's worth not sharing. You know when you when you know you what are you? You're in your forties, like me, right? Forty nine. Okay, so you get older, yeah, and, and um, you know you start you start collapsing in different zones, yeah. Okay, and you know, I I you know I was thinking recently what happens to you when you get older. People start they have this extraordinary romance with their own interior like you know they'll say you'll say to someone are you going to come to the to the saying come out drinking or talking or whatever yeah. come to dinner and say I would I'd love to but my liver it won't let me or you know my, my pancreas wants to stay in and watch a box out of are DVDs you, are you that aware of your of those particular organs are you feeling your liver no, Dylan? That's, because that, that's a sign of something else that, that's where it's going though you know that's what happens sure. with age with everybody they, sure. there's always something well, that's you know? all you talk about is is, yeah. is your shit or, or if you're still having sex or, <laughs> or what you ate your, bio, your biology becomes sure. everything. Well, yeah, because that's, I mean, your world gets that small eventually. That's right. I mean, string, and I don't want that. I don't want that. I think, I think that's the stuff you've got to keep to yourself. If you're, if you're bleeding, if you've been shot three times, don't mention it to people. It's boring. Is it's it just, boring? Yeah. I think you so. think that your speculation about the, 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 the world at large and your effect on it is more interesting than what's going on just in your Just because one, your, one of your major organs has exploded, that's no reason to interrupt the flow of conversation about something nice now i think that that might be something specific to uh like because i performed in ireland and i di distinctly got the feeling i've only been there a couple times i think it's a beautiful country and i do a story about it uh you know in my stage show uh about being there but i i definitely felt that i was giving too much information about me uh, to an Irish audience, I really got the feeling that they were like, "Why is he telling us this?" Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there, there, there's, a, there's an American uh, confessional urge, I think. You in know, general, yeah, generally, yeah. Because look at all the talk shows where people uh -huh. are. I mean, you've had these things for decades now, uh -huh. where people are saying, you know, uh, I, I found out I was uh, an alcoholic, or and, a sex and addict, and, or, so all of these things. I mean, everything. I mean, who isn't an addict? To be alive is to be an addict of one kind or another. You know. So, so you're saying that the 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 more uh, Irish disposition is, you know, just just shut up. We know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're a human being. You're a mess. You know. Let's do something else. Let's stop talking about it. What let's, do you want? Let's do our best to avoid that well not, we're, we're, not avoid it just accept it you're a, you're a hot mess and that's it <laughs> so that does exist i wasn't making that up in my mind oh no i think yeah 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 you're onto something there definitely yeah the nature of tabloids i, I don't know about ireland but it's certainly in the uk is is much more predatory and and it seems oh, yeah. that, that that here 
it sort of drives now we've given reality shows and everything else that you know it's really it's really the the momentum of it is is confessional and and sort of an exploration of of broken personality on all levels. I, I sometimes wonder, you know, is if you look at the like yeah, you said the British press is notoriously yeah. vicious, right? Um, and uh, and you have your confessional stuff on the reality shows and so on. I sometimes wonder is that a way for people to deal with the the kind of guilt they feel about privilege? You know, the fact that we you know in Anglosphere countries were all relatively privileged and comfortable. I would say relatively. There's lots of poverty and crime and all the rest of sure. it. Sure. But you're not, you know, dodging bombs most of the time. Right. And you're not really thinking about that no, either. No, you're not. But I, but I think and maybe at some deeper level you are. That's why people have this, they see the rest of the world having a much harder time. So they have this urge to sort of they, they 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 want to abase themselves because they can't deal with their own freedom and privilege. Yeah. So they say, I'm I'm terrible. I'm a terrible person. Yeah. I have mushrooms growing underneath uh, my yeah. parts. Right. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and a cafe just blew up in my mind. Yes. Something. <laughs> my whole frontal <laughs> cortex <laughs> fell away because it out of disgust I, with the rest in, of me. An interior terrorist. That's destroying me from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The. I think that might be true, but now, but. Uh, Ireland has a history of of, of tension. Uh, wait, wait, did you miss that? What are you trying to say? I'm saying that there's problems there. Yes, of course. <laughs> but but they seem better now. But was that something that you have in your memory as a person in in a real sure, way? Sure, that's what I grew up with. On the that was the Daily News. So and so was shot. They're dead. So was that further north? From yes, where you yes, were? That's, the, that's that's the north, the north of the country. Yeah, and that was a daily fact of life growing up, and people were murdering each other. And and how did your your family sort of you know school you through it's very, that? It's very depressing, you know. It's because that's in the air as well, and that was parallel with all the church um, noise. Well, because you had somebody actually on some level, and I'm not going you know, to claim to know anything about it on some level, but but you know they were representing the a Catholic element. Right. I mean, the, the issue was, you know, get Britain, get the Protestants out. Yeah, but it, it really comes down to nationalism. I mean, right. People, of course. You know, and then and then finally it comes down to in the end, it comes down to gangsterism. It's, it comes it becomes a turf war mm-hmm. more than anything. Uh-huh. And uh, and the original, you know, this connection to the past and to heritage and to history and to identity is uh, um, evident, you know, in the streets of Belfast, we see graffiti that says "Remember 1680, whatever." What do you think? What are you talking about? This is you're alive now. Your children are alive now. What are you talking about? 1680. Yeah, that kind of thing. You do see that sort of stuff, or you know, ancient historical battles. What are you talking about? Look at what's happening to you and your kids. I lived in Belfast for a year. You know, I knew Why? people. Who, well, I was I was just I was I, I was there for a time. I was in Northern Ireland for a couple of years, and um, um, I mean I knew people who had been in uh, buildings where somebody came in and sprayed the place, you know, with, with, with an automatic. Yeah, you know, wearing balaclavas and all because the somebody was living there that they didn't want to live because there. they weren't playing, paying extortion money from that business or whatever it was, you know, th- that kind of thing. And in the end, it's just it's just. You, in a, what, you, it comes down to a decision. What's more important? What happened to your grandfather or what's going to happen to your kids? Or, or your grandfather or some you know, way down the line part of your lineage. Yeah, exactly. I but, mean, that's, that, that's one thing that I don't think Americans can really identify with is that you, know, you go to Ireland and there's fucking history there that goes back to you know, just... just well, hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. There are walls that are, that are standing that have outlived many of our structures here. Sure, sure. But the Americans, you know, when I was a kid, had a very romantic uh, idea of uh, what 
organizations like the IRA were doing, you know, so you had NORAID, the American sponsors of yeah. those organizations, you know, because the people are not there. They're not seeing the daily reality of what people are enduring. I think it comes from the same place that you were just talking about uh, our, our confessional narcissism comes from, is that there, there's a guilt of detachment uh, from their roots or, or, you know, like American Irish people. Yeah. That you, you get this sort of like, I don't even know those people. But, you know, they're us. Oh, there's lots so, of them. Yeah, so let's fund, uh, you know, let's help out. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Americans have a big, because America's this amazing mosaic of identities and cultures, it has a, a lot of the people here have a big pull towards anchoring themselves in whatever, you know, their original heritage was. So you'll get American people who, in Ireland for the first time, will say, hi, my grandmother was an O'Shaughnessy, you know, and all that stuff. And um, you get a lot of that, you know. So I was thinking of when I'm here of saying, hello, it's great to be back in the old country. My grandfather was a wolf of it, you know, because... <laughs> but, but you've experienced that yourself, people who go Moran or, or come up to you with the same last name and, and want to sit there or, and, or an and compare shields. An Irish name, yeah, yeah. And they, they talk about it in a very, very romantic way. It's not, it's not, it's, it's about, they don't understand it. They, you know, they, but it's, it's theirs. It belongs to them, but they don't know what it is. Sure. So they want to participate in it. It's yeah. understandable. And they want to know where they came from. But of course, when you're looking at them and talking to them, what you're seeing is an American yeah. and nothing but. Right. You know. But you seem like, I mean, I, I've watched some of your material and stuff, not not just with American, but in general, you're, 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 your mind seems to say like, you know, you know, fuck that noise. I mean, we're here now. Uh, yeah. you, you don't pay much uh, heed to. Uh, you're not fascinated in any way by the uh, by the legacy. Or I don't have any romance about nationalism because look, what is it? It's a piece of ground that you happen to be on. You were born on. Other people were born on. You got neighbours. Get on with them, you know. Yeah. And try and find out something interesting together instead of saying that the place, the the ground underneath your feet belongs to you more than the other person. Right. But it, but you don't. Uh, you've never like just out of curiosity, you know, traced your family tree back. Oh God, no, 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 no. I mean, that would, that would just be bad news anyway. Just arsonists on one side, murderers on the other, probably. Yeah. And when uh, at, when did you start to do the 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 comedy? What what compelled you to do that? It seems like. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just assuming that your parents seemed like they might be relatively supportive. Early, they on. were. They were great, and um, they just said, you know. Look, if you can do anything that makes any money, whatever it is, you know, do it. tell us about it. What is it? How do you do that? <laughs> what are you dancing for money? Can we come? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because uh, there was nothing doing when I was, you know, when you're around that age, when you might start 18, 19, when you get interested in this stuff. There was no, I had no qualifications. I was, I was, Does anybody? Uh, no, but I had no qualifications for anything. You know, I wouldn't have been allowed to plant beans. And um, I couldn't do anything at all. I went to a club. I saw some people do it. I, was, I couldn't believe how good they were. Who were they? Ardell O'Hanlon was one. He's, he's well known. He was in Father Ted. He's a terrific, yeah. terrific stand-up. And uh, Barry Murphy, who's uh, an old friend of mine, was another. And uh, he's, again, a wonderful comedian. And um, Kevin Gildee was another. But they, um, they were just so good. I, I thought it would be some terrible substandard student review. And these people were... Were wonderful, really wonderful. I mean, you know, you folded like a hinge, laughing. They were just great. Yeah, I, I would see. Like, it's weird. It's it's almost as difficult. I mean, obviously, if I if I put more effort into it, but it was almost as difficult uh, uh, for you to get Marvel Comics where you were for us to get you know stand up, uh, international stand up in yeah, any way. Sure, sure. So, like, I always feel a little at odds or a little you know at a loss. You know, when I was in uh, London, I interviewed Stuart Lee, and I was basically demanding a history of, of modern English stand-up from yeah, him. Well, well, the one in Ireland came from, you know, it was a mix of stand-up, the form that everybody knows is an American, entirely American form. It's as American as jazz, you know. Right. But the 
what the 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 what fed the the Irish tradition, the little uh, tributaries running into that were big tradition of Irish storytelling. Absolutely. We because, still see it. Yeah, it's still there. It's still in the way people do. Stand, stand I mean, up. I know Tommy Tiernan. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I watch your stuff. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're definitely long-form guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not It's not a guy in a shiny suit right. flipping out zingers. You know? Right, right. Um, but the... Uh, so it was a mix of that and then what was going on in what was called the alternative comedy scene. Stuart would have talked about that right. in London, which was politicized because of the Thatcher years and all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, whatever else we could steal from Americans in terms of how you do it. Well, it's funny what's happening now is that, you know, I went to Kilkenny probably the second year they did the festival. And, you know, they were really showcasing a lot of Americans because that, that's who did stand-up. Yeah, yeah. But now it's it's very, it's it's sort of shifted. There There's such a healthy and vibrant you know, seen everywhere yeah. that, you know, they're definitely like you're one. There are definitely a lot of Irish stars. There's a lot of English stars. And, you know, the Americans are just, you know, sort of there now. They're not, you know, they're it's, not. There. It's leveled out a lot more. You know, yeah. I, I did gigs earlier in the year in Russia and uh, and Eastern Europe, you know, um, Kiev and Latvia and so on. And um, people are crazy for it. They, 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 can't, they can't get enough. They really want to go. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, because the world's opened up. Yeah. And um, the guys I was there with, the two Russian guys, Anton and Igor, f- fantastic people, really smart. Do English? Are they speaking in English? Uh, both of them speak English. Um, do they do stand-up in English? No, they do it They do it in Russian, but they can they can do some stuff in English, you know, and they're going to come to Edinburgh. I'm going to uh, help them out when they're over there and, you know, look after them. That's fascinating to me because, like, you know, we're so insulated here on some level. And I, I, I'm obviously not speaking for all Americans, but, but when you live in, in Europe, you know, part of your tour is just to go. I mean, the other country is just right over there. That's right. And you go there. Yeah. It's part of a tour. You know, here, you know, we go to, you know, wherever, North Carolina. Nebraska. And that's a yeah. little, you know, that's, that's nerve wracking in its edgy. own way. Yeah. Right. But it's not, it's just different to us, but it's not really that different. But you're going to places where they don't really have a complete handle on the language oh, no, necessarily. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but the thing is, you know, you can, America's so endless, it's so diverse. Yeah, dramatically, culturally, I mean, sure, one sure. end of the country to the other, you, it's it's like its own its own planet, you know. Sure. So that in part explains why Americans probably don't travel as much as other nations because you can travel so much within your own country and experience such variety. I'd like to think that, but I think for me, it's sort of like you know, I don't know, we got to fly there, and they, do they use the same plug? Yeah, I know, I mean, but that's <laughs> the not... same for everybody. That's not just Americans, oh, okay. you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's great when anybody's curious about the world and they, right. and they, and they go. But, uh, yeah, it does feel, Europe does feel less uh, other. The eastern side of it is less other than it was, certainly. And when you, because uh, I watched some of your earlier stuff, and the one thing that, that, that was, uh, that was stri- striking to me, and, and just because I deal with it myself, is that there was a time when you do short-form sets. It looked like when you were starting That's out. That's how you learn, yeah. Right, that you were doing bits and you were building your personality. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, then you started doing these, you know, three or four, you know, big pieces and, and, and you know, themed shows and, and storytelling shows. But there's there's clearly, have you found yourself looking back at your old stuff and, and seeing that you've grown up around certain things? What do you mean grown up around certain that things? Your, your, your opinions have either evolved or, or changed well, completely. Well, when you're starting out doing 20-minute sets, you're just trying to survive on stage. Right. You know, you're just trying to get the laughs and can I do this? You know, right. you're establishing that when you're a young performer. Um, and then once you've established that, it loosens you up to just talk. Right. Which is... Right. right. And the more you talk, like like I think you might be like me in the sense that you're, you're kind of adding to conversations that you have 
ongoing. It's, it's an ongoing right, conversation. Right, exactly. exactly. Yeah. But like, I definitely noticed the tone, uh, like on the first big special, you know, you were a little more angry. You're a little more, uh, you're sort of like, you know, you know, championing things that a younger man would champion. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and then like all of a sudden you survive all those things. Yeah. And now you're older and you have your own kids. Right? Well, I think you get yeah you get more you get more you get more uh, uh, doubtful and modest. Right, because you realize it's not easy for anybody, and we're all going to be humbled. Exactly, and you you are in the you're mid you're mid humbling, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's ongoing. All there's always something, some part of you that's been taken away or that's yeah. broken or doesn't yeah. work anymore. You just watch your pride get shattered. Exactly, over a and couple then, of decades, and you learn to detach from pride. <laughs> Who needs pride? That's a young man's game. It sure is, isn't it? Yeah. If, because that thing can take you for a fucking ride, Absolutely, man. yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, you see a lot of people who haven't learned that. and uh, It's rough, dude. It's very rough for them, I think. They do, they keep on not learning that. and uh, It just turns into this weird, bitter... Yeah, you... Ice, they have no idea that everyone's like, oh, he's still at it. Yeah, you're pointing, you know? pointing a finger at a mountain and shouting at it. It's not going to work <laughs> out for you, you know? It's It's very strange in this business that you see that so often. I don't think you're... Because there's such a difference between, you know, people who make the break whenever, you know, who who transcend and, 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 and continue to grow in this game. Yeah. And then there's the people that are just like, you know, shouting at that mountain and there's nothing you can do. No. Because you realize that if you take that, that whatever they're shouting at that mountain, if you take that away from them, I, I, you don't know. They won't have anything. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. It, if the mountain suddenly said, you know what? I agree with you. They'd have nothing to say. It'd be over. Yeah. 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 So, where did where did it start? When did you um, like at what point did you say fuck it? I'm going to do this. I mean, how old were you? Oh, I Where'd was you? I was I was I was I think I was 19 or 20 because I, I literally had no other option at the time in terms of you know it was the first paid work I'd ever had. I got five pounds for performing for five minutes, and then. You know, I thought, well, this is the best economic model I've found. Yeah. You know, just in terms of to buy time to think about what the hell am I going to do? I can talk and get money. I can talk and get money. And I was writing and drawing. That's what I. That's what I. I did. You know, forever. Were you Were you at some sort of juncture where you were like, you know, the, your life wasn't going to go well? Well, did I, I know. I just thought I. I'm not interested in doing anything except reading, writing, and drawing. You know, I hadn't done any acting at that stage. I, I hadn't thought about it. And then somebody, a couple of years later, somebody asked me to do something. I said, sure. I turned up and, you know. You did all right with it. I did okay with it. And and, and, and then other things happened. But um, I didn't, I just I just knew. One, the only thing I knew was that if I went to get a job, I would die. <laughs> and I, I mean so, that. Uh, uh, if not literally, metaphorically. No, no, literally and metaphorically <laughs> and every which way. You would I, just show up for work. And, I, and I, I, would, I would reject myself and die. <laughs> were, were there any jobs? No. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, I, 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 no, I once, uh, I, would, I would even even destroy it as I was asking for the job. I would say, can I have this job thing? And they would know I didn't want it, you know, so it never happened. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, so you, get, you lucked out. But, I mean, when you started, where did you go? You say you grew up in a rural area. I mean, what does that mean, really? Are you talking cows? Were there farms I knew around? Cows. You I, knew I cows. I on first name terms with many cows. You, well, you walked by them? Yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. We had, you know, we understood each other. And then uh, it was a mile from the town. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, and then... Then you, when you're a young person in Ireland, you want to be in a city, so you, you hang out in Dublin, and that's where I did comedy. You know, there's only one or two clubs. So yeah, you, you play them 
both as often as you can, and then you realise I have to go to London, which is a which is a, a very widespread Irish experience. I have to go to London now. It's the London time. And does that take any sort of like uh, you know biting your lip <coughs> or sucking it up somehow? Or yeah, it... definitely because it's if you know, I was a hick, you know. So you, London's a, a great city, and um, you know everything's big and noisy, and, uh, and there's a lot of people, and you really get a sense of your own. Uh, infinitesimal smallness and irrelevance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're trying to just make a living and be allowed to try to make a living. First of all, you know, you go do free spots and all the clubs, and then um, and then they ask you back if you make them. The great thing about comedy is that you always know if it's working or not because sure. because the room is shaking. Yeah. And if it's not shaking, you, where you, what, you're in the wrong place. Go down the street. Yeah. Maybe you should be a sous chef. Yeah. But yeah. leave us alone here. Will yeah. You? Right. Um, and 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 it worked out. You know. But you you had a sort of like a, a fairly you know healthy uh, cynicism and, and slight chip on your shoulder from the beginning, right? Well, I think that I was I was a, a chip. I think I probably could have had a chip on my shoulder, um, but the, because I had to, I was terrified. That's the truth. You know, I'd never. I was I was a young twenty one year old guy. I was talking to rooms full of drunk people, drunk Londoners. Yeah, you know it scares me. It is. I mean, and it was midnight, you know, and and they were it was Friday, and they'd come from work, and they go to the pub, and they tank up on beer, and then they go out, and they want to be made to laugh. So it's a mess. It's a mess, and it <laughs> teaches you a lot about not losing your what they say call losing your bottle, losing your uh, courage. You know, yeah. you've got to hold on to that and just steam through it. So I did that for four years, and there's a hundred clubs in London, so it's a fantastic. Uh, arena playground to learn your stuff. Did you guys all hang out? Was there? Yeah, we would it, talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there an Irish Compare contingent and, a, and an English? Well, there was contingent. a really good club where everybody went to try new material. So all the comics went there. Right. The Meccano Club, it was called. It was on a Monday night, and that was where, you know, we would all go and take stock of one another and yeah. who, who had something interesting. Who right. Was, who looked like they were, they were doing going, something. Yeah, they were going to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was really great. Actually, you know, there was like a it was a workshop in public. Um, uh, although I'm a bit scared of using that word, but it was you know you try it out, you're jamming, you're yeah, sure, no, I get it, yeah, and uh, and that was great. And when was there like a dark time? I and mean, now see, like I got Belfast sitting in my head. Was there a time where you were like, oh fuck, it's over? Well, well, oh god, well, god, you know, I mean, uh, just doing gig after gig and thinking, what, where's this going? What am I doing? <laughs> and what, what would that look like as a as a performer from that part of the world, where you know these situations? I mean, what were the situations that you walked into? Because like here, you know, you got one-nighters, you've got, you know, pub gigs, you've got... Yeah. Like, but I mean, what was the, the sort of um, <coughs> the learning curve? You know, what did you have to go through? Where did you have to drive to? <coughs> well, you, what you would do is you would get a... Uh, sorry about all the coughing. You, would, right. you would get in a... You, you want water? Uh, I w- water would be good, but I don't want to do... Is it easy to stop this and start again? I'll just run in and get it. Well, the water. What will I do? Will I hold the fort? Do I talk for sure, both of us? Sure, why don't you talk to yourself questions? or do the Beach Boys? Okay. Well, thank you very much, Mark. So uh, I'm sitting here by myself now in Mark's den, and um, he's got a lot of um, he's got a lot of very very immature literature around. There's a lot of uh, it's very heavy on comic books and uh, little dolls and things. Oh, nothing. I was just saying nothing. Uh, here we go. Um, so uh, you know, you just you were in country environments, you were in cities, you were you were you you know you not just do London you travel up and down the length of Britain with a carload of comics right so you know we do that here yeah, yeah. You, you know split the petrol money and sure. all that stuff and drive back or um, so it, you just you know you couldn't have uh, 
you couldn't have anything really to be too attached to because your life was in a bag. Yeah. And this is the anybody's on the road, sure. that's their experience. Yeah. Um so you you know, after a couple of years of that, you know, you're getting people giving you a bundle of cash and you you know, you've drunk too many beers in some terrible town and you're thinking what is this? What's this? What's the end point of this? There's no because because you're self-employed and because it's all up to you, you think, okay, wh- what's the way out of this? I've gotten into this now. How do I get out? Right to the, the next level at yeah, least, yeah, or next yeah. level or whatever it is, or n- to be just not doing this stuff all right. the time. And then, um, you know, my uh, my agent, who's a, a really good friend of mine, said, look, write a write a television program. So uh, I started working on Black Books, and then that was it. Yeah, I watched some of that. It's very funny. Well, thank you. <laughs> and and I, I think that's one thing that there is a sort of, my belief is that if you're good in, in Ireland or, or in the, the UK and you stand out, that your opportunity to actually get something on television is, is far better than ours. Uh, yeah, I think there's more opportunity for people who want to self-generate their own stuff whereas here there's more hoops to go through with committees and channels and a lot of hoops and there's more channels it's weird but I, I think that that there you know because the television business there is still sort of indigenous and intimate that if they can deliver a show by their their own creative people yeah. they're there it's great it's just a lot smaller you know right. so you got a small production company i worked with a small production company called big talk who are really great um and uh you know we were a small team making this show yeah, and it's a, it's you are a proprietor, a bookstore. Yeah, we owner. all. Yeah, the, uh, that's the setup. You and know, the other guy's name is Bailey, right? Ben ba- Bill, 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 Bill yeah. Bailey. Who's, who's he's a, very funny he's guy, an amazing comedian. Yeah, 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 yeah. And musician. He's a terrific um, person, and uh, he's just, he's very very smart and very very funny. And um, and Tamsin Gregg, who's uh, who played Fran, who's a, a great actor. And how many uh, shows did you do? We only did 18, so that's three, that was three series for us. So, you know, the work ethic is not what goes on here because you make 149 <laughs> shows per <laughs> season or whatever it is. They don't do that there at all, No, are you kidding me? <laughs> and we had like two-year gaps between the series as well because it was, I'm tired, yeah, let's go for a walk. <laughs> and, and the people who watch it and enjoy they it, they can wait. <laughs> if they liked it, they'll come back. Please. <laughs> Give me a break. But there's no shows that run like 50 episodes in, I, uh, in general? No, that sounds, even that sounds, even for the really, for the long running ones, that sounds too much. You'll get, they do series of, uh, a series of six, ep- six eight episodes, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You know, Peep Show is a, a good British comedy. They've, I think they're in their seventh series. But even they're doing six or eight episodes at a time. And that changed the game for you? Well, it meant that I could tour. And people knew who you were. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, uh, and it, it was, was great. a good showcase for you. Yeah, but it was great fun to do as well. And you learn a lot. And um, you know, we we laughed a lot of the time. And, and you know, went crazy as well. It was stressful being in it and writing it and yeah. the live audience and all that stuff. Um, and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a small hit, right? I suppose you would call it. But your your personality was represented so well. So now when people went out to see you. They, you were kind of that guy, well, give or to take. A de- to a degree, you know. I mean, it was a character. If I, lived, right. if I lived like he does, I would have been dead years ago. But, but the sense of humor was there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and now all of a sudden, like when when that when that changed everything, where you now not you're not driving to rural areas to perform for twelve people at some sort of hall, but like hundreds of people are coming out of. Yeah, you could do a show. You could you could do a, a theater and four, five hundred, six hundred, eight hundred, then upwards from there. You know, people came along, and you're playing. And then you're doing a tour in Europe and down the country, and um, and that's different. That is different because because that feels like well, you know, 
uh, then you've had to you've had to write your show over however long it took you, and uh, you want to look after it. It's yours. It's not just you know survival. Mm-hmm. You want to do a good show, and and there are people are came to see that show, so you want to you want to do it. You want to perform it and and that and each of those shows like I mean that's another thing that we don't really do here in the same way that I think that there's sort of like a like the Edinburgh model is, is that you know you do an hour yeah. it's got a through line or at least a title that suggests that yeah mine mine really didn't have a through line but you're right a lot of them do uh, and that you know you're basically every year you're building an, a new hour yeah. that has a title yeah. that implies <laughs> that is a it's a piece of theater yeah. And that's and, right. and that's how it works. It does straddle that theater line more right. than, more than the American. And stand-up. when you build your shows, I mean, do you do it in chunks? Do you go out? Do you go? Do you still workshop in small clubs, or do you just well, write it? Uh, uh, for years, I didn't actually. I would just sit and write, and um, and then go out and do it, and uh, and tweak it as as each yeah, day. Yeah, but it, what it meant was it it was I now I do try out little parts here and there. I do smaller shows, smaller gigs, just to just to say the thing out loud as much as anything, just to learn it. To learn it and also get the timing right and to see if that beat works. Yeah, because I, I would go out and I wouldn't have said any of it. And I would have 90 minutes of material or 70 minutes yeah, of material. Right. And it was a mess because I would go, this, wait a minute, this thing is over here. I have to stick this wire in. And that sort of became yeah. part of the show as well. And it was handy for me because it meant I never had to. I hate doing the same thing in the same order. Every I can't do that. I know it drives me nuts. I what is that? Why well, is that? Well, I don't do it because what happens is if you, if you go on and you can't, and you can't do that or you don't want to do that, and you don't know it all anyway, you don't have to do it. You yeah. should forget bits, and then you can go, you can inst- start something the, yeah. and say, oh, no, forget about the dog, because uh, this I have to tell you about, you know, my colon, or whatever it is. You found another thing. Yeah, exactly, and and, and then you're... You See, know. I work like that, too, where you just sort of, you, you've got your framework, you've got your pieces, and then, like, you know, you get tired of doing them in yeah. sequence, and you're like, fuck it, and then you're cornered on stage exactly. to have that... A moment, and that was the fun. That was the fun right. because you know there was. I did dry a couple of times. There would be times when I would just there was nothing. The, yeah. cur- the cursor was just sliding across the screen. There was nothing there. It was just Arctic nothingness. Yeah, yeah. And I go, I look at people and say, um, so you know, I don't know what uh, I'm doing. And then, and then you know, something would come. Right, something would come. That's the fucking best, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you, you can't know all the time. But the best thing is, like, sadly, like uh, the, some of the best moments are moments that you know will never happen again because you're not going to be able to no, find it again. No, no. You didn't record it, and yeah. that was it. Yeah, but that's. And then years later, someone will come up to you and go, "You know that thing when you were going to do the dog yeah, thing?" Yeah, I know. It, that's happened a lot. People said that thing when you're like, about, "I never." You know, it was some shit you were making up to right. bridge something. Right, and, and then you go like, "Oh, maybe I should try to." I'm never gonna. Yeah, you can't. You can't <laughs> fake it either. You know, because yeah. then it's it's gone. It's, that's when you get the guys going up doing the fake laugh and all that stuff. Right. You know. Yeah. And uh, you can't do that. So, do you get most of the charge of what you do from from those moments on stage, where like uh, it's not the performance uh, of the show, but it's those moments where it's like, nah, this another is, little door the, opens. Yeah, and you this go is immediate. There. Yeah, that's great fun. It's but the you, best. but the thing is, it's great fun. But you can't do that for a whole show. I would say either because you've got to be able to feel no, like the people that do that for a whole show are pretending to do it for a whole y- show. Yes, yeah, that's that's, and some of them are brilliant at it. <laughs> yeah, at pretending to do yeah, that for a yeah, whole show. Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, what about the movies? Those just started to come. Yeah. Pretty much, I don't go. I didn't do a whole lot of knocking on doors because uh, yeah. I, I didn't want to. I might do. I might do it now because you know the great thing about movies is you go in, you do, 
a few days and then you're out of there. Yeah. If yeah. you're not the guy who's shooting everybody. Yeah, and then, then it's months and months in a trailer. Yeah, you don't want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you, what was the, your relationship with Simon Pegg? That just, what, he knew you or what? How yes, did you get- yeah, when Simon and I were working out of the same office because he, he, was, he was writing his first film, he was writing sh- must have been he was writing Shaun of the Dead there when I was doing Black Books. So. And you were just down the hall, and he was yeah, like, I'm going to have that guy down the hall yeah, do the yeah. part. Well, that's good. Yeah, you know, it was, that was the same production office, Big Talk. Now, good. What's, the, uh, what's your relationship with America? I mean, yeah, are you, because you're here, you're doing shows at Largo, and you're going to San Francisco this, this going weekend? To the Marines in San Francisco after that. I know that place, down on the wharf? Yeah. Yeah. Great theater. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and how do you go over here? Good. I just did a week in New York. It was great fun. It was in a small theater in in, in St. Mark's Place. And, um, you know, it was full every night. People came. And uh, uh, it's it, I, I'm, I'm more w- willing to, to sort of do America now because having done it before, I felt like uh, I always felt America was very, very different. I don't feel that so much. I think I understand the place a little more because America just is a sort of a, America is a brand, you know, to a, sure. to us. Yeah. It's an idea. It's a slightly damaged brand. It's, it's, it's all sorts of things, <laughs> but it's the empire. You know, it's, 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 it's in 50 foot high letters, yeah. America coming yeah. towards you. you right. Know? And um, you can't, you have to, you have to just be yourself and, and communicate. You know, you can't pretend to be American. You can't do it the American way. You just have to. Did you do that do the first thing. time? No, no, no. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know if what I was doing was going over. I think you know, and it was. So we feel the same way. Yeah, like, I guess. Yeah. I think it's quite similar. Really, yeah. it's just you, you sort of you begin to think. Well, do these people know what I'm talking about at all? You know, um, not in terms of you know mentioning. Oh, you know, right? Not Mars uh, bars or right. not references. Not references, but, but just the tone. Uh, just yeah, the tone, the way you think. Um, well, now I realize, you know, America's just a bunch of people, really. Yeah, well, I, I imagine you must be learning that all over. I mean, when you when you come to America now, because of uh, technology, I mean, people who like you are going to find you. Yeah, that that has <laughs> changed everything. That That's one good thing about all this um, modern tech. It has changed everything. People, you know, it's out there. They'll go and they'll find it. I mean, I imagine you have people coming out in New York that, like, are black book freaks. Yeah, people came. People came from Buffalo and Pittsburgh and, you know, all over. Do you find that you have a lot of Irish people in your audience? Not so much, actually. I got some. I do get some people, but it's not. I always wanted to stay away for from, the nostalgia. Of I, a, I don't know. I always wanted to stay away from doing, you know, uh, uh, Irish clubs or uh, uh, something with an Irish hook. Yeah. Because I want to talk to everybody. I, I really, really, I'm not in this to. I used I, like in, in London when I was doing the clubs, there would be an Irish night, you know. Yeah. And I never did that, but I did go along to the Jewish one, and I went along to the black one because I wanted to. I want to talk to people. I don't want to talk to the yeah same preach to the from. choir yeah 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 uh, there's no comfort in that for me yet well what do you learn from uh like I, i'm curious about this because in your last special you went all, uh, to the baltic countries and you went to russia and everything else now is your experience that what you're talking about thematically uh fundamentally the experience of of everybody yeah at at at, at the base level it is absolutely the the human condition is the human condition whether you're in Kazakhstan or Ohio you know it really is all of the the major um, uh, engines of anxiety and hope and love and want are all the same everywhere there's no question about that it's just the way people deal with them is is differs you know some people employ religion some people uh, use materialism some people use um, 
wh- whatever it is that gets them through it. But you're very conscious when you're writing material that, that that's what you're speaking to are those drives. Yeah, always. Because I think you have to stay close to the... If you don't stay close to the emotion of something, you lose your way. I do anyway. It becomes trivial and, and yeah, it becomes it becomes because it becomes. Yeah, I think you can do it two two ways. I thought this yesterday. It's probably completely spurious and and shallow and wrong. But I did think you know with comedy, a lot of the time you see there's two big approaches. There's there's going into it, or there's going away from it. And when I say the it is the stuff of life itself. Yeah. So you can you can dive into it, or you can spend a lot of time distracting from it. Sure. And some people are fantastic at that. I mean, in some ways. Um, Eddie does that. Eddie Izzard does that quite a lot because he does these baroque situ- uh, dances around dances it. around the incredible arabesques of yeah. thought and situation and uh, and absurdity. You know, whatever the canteen on the Death Star, whatever it is. Yeah, he does these extraordinary structures, uh, a tiny um, piece of trivia, right, <clears throat> and makes it into something much more interesting than the original. Um, but it's a journey away from. It's a journey away from. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's very funny. It's extremely funny. No, I get that. I'm sensitive to that. But too. it's not about. It's not. It's not particularly trying to put grapple hooks into uh, uh, an emotion or a, a difficult thing or a f- you know a, f- a feeling that's difficult to well isn't handle. that really the co- the sort of weird conundrum of of being an entertainer uh, versus being uh, uh some sort of um uh i, I don't want to say artist but i i find this a lot that you know there are people that like i'm here to entertain and then there there are people that are here to share their experience and provide something that seems a little deeper than entertainment. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know how. I think I describe it as I'm here to talk because I don't really know. if Entertain just means, if you're entertaining somebody, what it means is that they're not going away. Right, that's that's all. all entertainment means to me. So it's broad. It's not like, yeah, let me just, get you away from all that. Well, it's just what you're doing is you either, you either want to get them away from something or get them into something. But either way, you're going to entertain them because they're not going anywhere. That's what entertain means, that you're entertaining, the person is still there. Engaged. Engaged, entertained. Yes. Paying attention to whatever nonsense right. you're doing. Right, right. Um, so presumably, whatever you're doing, you're entertaining them if they're still there. Right. So I think of it as just, I'm, I'm here to talk about this stuff. It's really, and I, you know, you do want the feeling of having a conversation. Because Absolutely. Because you, you're talking in such a way as to anticipate every disagreement, every offshoot, every tangent that might be flying through the imaginary person you're talking to it might be going through their mind because if you sit stand there and think okay I'm going to talk to these 400 people and address everything going through their heads you're fucked but if you if I what I do is I talk into the dark pretending I'm talking to one person right and also it's not like okay I'm going to take you on a trip now it's sort of like you know I have this stuff this is going on in my heart this is going on in my mind I'm struggling and I have to assume that you are too yes exactly that's that that's <laughs> Absolutely right. That's a very good way to put it. That's one of the best descriptions I've heard of it because that's exactly what you're doing. You're having this conversation where the other person doesn't speak, but you're trying to work it out for for both of you. Right. You know? Right. And you what you what you are doing is you're it, it, from their silence. You're 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 responding to. You'll make a statement and then assume that they will be thinking. Yeah, but what about the country? And then you do. Then you take that as well. Right. So that's what a conversation is. You turn. That's what it means. You yeah. Turn something around together. Right. And that's why you know when you're a performer like like you are that. You know these conversations thematically are similar because you you are drawing from these these elements of of what all people experience. But as you grow, the dialogue changes. Yeah, well, you're hoping that the other person does disagree with you, or you know has right. a different. They're not just waiting to say, "Give me the next statement that I can <laughs> cling to." That's why the whole leader follower thing seems a bit sinister to me. But they could be clinging to it just because they're they're finding uh, out in that moment that they're not alone, and that uh, yeah, that's, that that's a part of it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how has it changed for you? 
from uh, from like younger kind of like uh, you know more aggravated uh, you know smoking on stage guy to a guy that has kids and to like what are the things that you look back on in your earlier monologues where you're like well that sort of evolved I think I was a little off on that one well what I see when I when you know when you I think when anybody looks back on their yeah. younger selves the only difference for for this kind of thing is that you actually have tapes yeah plenty of you, of you uh, you know uh, giving your opinion at length about something mm-hmm. um and a lot of the time, those opinions weren't real anyway. They were joke opinions. But uh, when I look back, I think it's the same as when anybody looks back. You tend to see, oh, God, you know, I was I was either, I was either, I, I was so uh, afraid, you know, and I'm desperately trying to, you know, cover this by swaggering or whatever it is. Right. Or, uh, or uh or really, or I'd look, I wince, I think, oh God, that's so thoughtless, or you're so callow, it's so fucking dumb. <laughs> Just you know? going for effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's, like, it's, it's, oh, how shocking. It's ex- Yeah, exactly. The whole idea of shock, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I find that I can't watch that at all yeah, when I yeah. see guys do that where they're, they're strutting and they're doing laying it down, yeah, you know, yeah, going to yeah. shock you. It's yeah, not yeah. Shocking. I'll take your God away. It's so yeah. boring. Well, it's, it is, because it, I had that realization about myself that I used to think I was angry about things and then I realized I was just angry and that anger's all in fear so the best way to sort of like have an effect is to be you know provoke be not just provocative but to say like huh what are you going to do with that information see what i just said yeah 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 well (laughs) i mean if you if a guy if you're watching somebody and it tends to be guys it often is guys you get the odd woman it is a bit of as well i suppose roseanne barr did that for for a bit in a really interesting kind of way yeah uh uh for a while but the when you see somebody who's doing the angry guy thing whether yeah. it's an angry young man or an angry middle-aged man you know it's not to say that there's nothing there yeah there was i saw uh, uh, brendan berry who runs a comedy festival in, in dublin and a, and a great venue told me to look at this guy he'd had over from new york eddie peppertoni i love it yeah and he, I, I i just i just laugh so much that thing where he does yeah. where he says you don't know how to heckle me i'll show you how to heckle and me and, he he heckles himself. and the yeah. camera stays on the stage and he's in the audience saying hey eddie how come you don't speak to your sister no more yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> he's great. I use him a lot on the the live shows. He's a he's a good friend of mine. He's very funny. Really funny because that just brings it right down to, you know, there's no pretense of, you know, I know more than you, or I'm the showbiz guy. It's just you just picture this guy in a vest in his kitchen. You know, yeah, yeah. this stuff going through his yeah. mind, and it's great. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it's a difference between uh, you know you, the best you can hope for. I think as you get older, if you were an angry young man, is that you just become cranky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cranky is much more uh, palatable than angry. Yeah, you know, <laughs> anger is exhausting. Uh huh. To experience uh, no. either when somebody else is angry or when you're really angry, it's it's absolutely exhausting. Did when when Bill Hicks came to England, did that have an effect on you? Yeah, well, everybody watched him. You know, everybody watched him and was interested in what he was doing because what he had uh, was he would write very contained, sharp pieces about a specific subject that were sometimes quite tricky, particularly like stuff about, you know, politics and so on. Yeah. And they were, some of them were really, really well done. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, people debate reputations and all all that sort of stuff. I'm not a critic. I don't really care. Yeah. I just think he had some very good stuff. Yeah. He had some good jokes. Yeah. Yeah. He had some very good stuff. I didn't like all of it. Yeah. But some of it was great. But like the way that the myth of Hicks goes is that, you know, England was like, yeah, that does seem to be the way it goes. I mean, he definitely did get, he, I think he did get, uh, an ear there sure. in a way that he hadn't experienced here and he loved that because it, 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 it allowed him to do 
that that full show and bring it to a new level because when you know people really are have come to see you and they want to hear what you come up with and also to speak you know harshly about America as an American to to you know sympathetic ears who who don't have the same experience as you uh, was I think a big deal yeah absolutely it was a big deal and uh, and it was good to see an intelligent um, American uh, talk about what they felt was wrong about when you were coming up how who were the comics you know outside of the people that influ- influenced you originally i mean who were the guys where you were like you know that that is you know a, a good model of of what i'd like to be or well, where was I'd never, like to be well there was never there was never one person you know yeah. and a lot of the time for me it was a lot of the time for me it was writers it wasn't comics that's the truth i mean i don't see that which ones well, a, a lot of American, a lot of Americans. So you know, Don DeLillo is the person I always. Re- what, what, did you with. understand his last book? Who, uh, point Amiga. Yeah, uh, I I didn't think it wasn't my favorite of his books for sure. No, but I just didn't understand the point. Yeah, well, I don't think a lot of his books. I don't think they're 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 they're, an, they're not really an argument based. They're well, just, no, but yeah, but like that one seemed pretty sparse. It was extremely sparse. But some of his other sparse books, I think, are very successful. The Body Artist, which is not a particularly. You know, it's he's deeply funny in a way that he just he's what he's wonderful at is um, is making the familiar strange again. Yeah, I mean, I there some of the, like even his early stuff like Great Jones Street, I loved. Yeah, you know, White Noise, I fucking loved Ratner Star, even like that. I mean, I you know, I read the fuck out of him. Yeah, and uh, and <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just I'm just imagining you know, <laughs> I need things from books, man. Calvin Trilling's thing, I read the fuck out of that guy. I, I loved that. <laughs> And like uh, Libra was great, and you know, I tried to get through the Underworld one, but I didn't quite you know lock in all the way. It was a big thing, but man, that last book, I was like, what? The? Yeah, you, well, you know, I think that you have to. Uh, uh, for, no, I'm, I'm willing to let him have it. Yeah, if you admire someone, you know, you've yeah, got to say, good. well, I couldn't go with you the whole way there. But with someone like DeLillo, though, the assumption is something like I'm at fault here. You know, like uh, clearly, you no, know, I, 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 I don't think that it's funny when you like with, you know, we're talking about trying to have a conversation with somebody with books with if there's a writer who really uh, gets you, it does feel like a conversation because you're going back to it, you know? Oh, oh hell yeah. I uh, mean, like I look at every book as a self-help book. I mean, if it's a novel, I don't know. It, I think it, I think a lot of I think a lot of the time everybody does. You who know, are some of your other guys? You're looking for answers. Oh, yeah. Well, just in terms of straight comedy, in fact, talking about that thing of, you know, he's obviously a kind of writer who tries to engage with the essence of, of 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 what human experience is but and then you get a, a great american master sj perlman yeah, who yeah. did the opposite who's sure. gone a million miles away from it yeah. through language yeah. to uh, extraordinarily uh, 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 successful effect because uh-huh. It's just he just he remakes the American language, and it's it's hysterically it's pure funny. funny. Oh, it's pure funny yeah. when he hits it. My God, you yeah, know it's yeah. it's it that used to just floor me. Did you go to college or you didn't? No. Do you have a like? Is there a, you know a, a sort of autodidactic chip on your shoulder? Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's the case. What happens is if you don't, you tend to think, okay, I'm way behind, so I have to read everything. And you know, you go do go through that thing of you know. I think I've certainly did it as a younger man, dropping references. I've, yeah, I know all about that stuff. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't even think about mentioning that. You know, I'm way ahead of you there, <laughs> which is really sad. And then you get over that a bit. You well, know? it's 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 troublesome when you're a bright guy and you're you know you're a smart guy, but you chose not to go to college or what for whatever reason you didn't go, and then you have to be around these people that were sort of spoon-fed that stuff and, and fight the fight. Well, so often, I mean, you know, this is what happens. What's very common is that people go through the whole system and they, they don't read afterwards. They, yeah. They're just, and I, I feel lucky in a yeah. way that I, I still have, I'm really hungry for... for yeah. You got any... For uh, reading. Lately, anybody? Um, 
late, very, very recently, um, the last thing I read that I thought was really was really great was the um, Patrick Melrose series by Edward St. Oban, who's uh, written this quintet of novels about a really difficult subject. It's about uh, it's about abuse in part, and uh, it's just completely magnificent. It's a wonderful achievement, um, and and some of it's. Uh, uh, sort of screamingly funny as well. Do you speak to that stuff in in your act? I, you know, I don't know all your stuff. I mean, do you speak about the church and 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 that type of stuff? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, the thing is with with faith. Uh, I, I got a bit. I got a bit annoyed at those, uh, if you like, uh, aggressively uh, secular uh, proselytizers who came out in the last couple of years. I do too. I, because yeah. because you know the thing is, it's if you don't believe, and I don't. It's completely obvious to you. So you're looking at these people, and they are pointing a finger at a mountain because you've got, because you've got a lot of people who do believe for a whole host of reasons. And you might, you know, say, well, whatever the reason is, it's just terrifically sad, and you're all wrong. And that may be the case, but you're certainly not going to. You don't. You do. You cannot affect change in that through rationality. And also, like the question becomes, if that's what's getting someone through the day, and they're not bothering anybody, yeah. why is it your duty to try to take their hope away? Uh, that becomes a question. I think on, for a, me. Look, on an intellectual level, it's there's no argument. So you know, why bother having it? Well, there's that. But then also, I got just recently, you know, having you know, because I I do a series of bits about how how you know I don't believe in God, but I I just it's I'm not an atheist. I just don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. So, but then I got flack from. You can't atheists. even be troubled to be a proper stand up atheist. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm just sort of like whatever you got to do, just don't involve yeah. me. Uh, you know, and try not to hurt people. But that's but, that's, that's the belief system. I'm I'm out, okay? I'm, I'm out to lunch. <laughs> it's a, it, never a day goes by where I question it or, or fight it actively, really. Uh, but, but I got flack from atheists, you know, who were like, you know, we're the victims here. You weren't committed enough. Right. Well, the, but that, like, why deny us a voice when we're obviously the smaller voice? Like, you know, they're playing... But are, do you think atheists are the smaller voice in America? Well, absolutely. They're the smaller voice. They're the smaller voice everywhere because I think that in, innately, you know, people who once had religion or have religion in their family, you know, just you know, by by proximity, are are God apologists. It, it's not that they're not atheists, but they're just sort of like, yeah, let's not. Do we have to bring that up? The problem. The problem. The problem with it is, look, is that if if this is what I think, if you believe, yeah, in a god. Uh, the word belief means to be held dear. That's what it means. Be belief. Okay, that's the sure. two parts of the world. Uh, so we all want to be held dear. Yeah. And we all we all hold certain uh, values and uh, hopes very dear to to us. Mm-hmm. So the idea of being loved is. One with you can't do without it. Yeah, everybody needs to be loved. I fight it. But. Well, you know, good luck because it's that's it. So the this idea of being loved by something greater than yourself, yeah, is very appealing. And if you are going to say, well, I believe in that's it. Um, what you're doing is you're saying that you know the outcome of the story you're in, and nobody, as far as I'm concerned, can know that. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. Mm-hmm. I am going to be wary of it because there's a there's a happy outcome, and I don't think things work like that. Yeah, in, until we get footage, film footage from yeah. heaven. Yeah, <laughs> the actual <laughs> the lobby, people being greeted. 
keeping their cars valid and all yeah. that stuff. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the real world where things are disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, because I think that's you know it's uh, very clearly the case for me. But the so I don't understand faith on that level. You know, I don't understand it at all. But I do understand what I do understand emotionally is the need to have some comfort. Yeah. Right. Wherever it comes from. Right. And that's what it provides. And that's a that's an interesting sort of, you know, bookend to the 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 idea of, you know, the the working poor of Ireland, you know, having or anywhere. Right. In just cuz I always wondered about that. You know, that you know what effect that that abuse had in on on people who did take comfort in these people that were 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 the spokespeople. Well, if you look at Catholicism, if it was a kind of, you know, in retrospect, it was a uh, sort of it was it was just the most uh, incredibly uh, pernicious engine of abuse because what you have is you have a religion premised on the idea that if you do wrong you can wipe the slate clean through confession and that this life is really just a precursor for the life to come the important one which is the hereafter right so that what happens on this mortal plane is of less consequence so even those crimes are less consequential. That is built into what's being sold. And that's what they used as a rationalization. I don't, think, sure. they, I don't think they said it out loud, but I think that it underpinned the whole system. And also, you know, uh, they, they, they were so elevated in society as, and, as, as figures. And insulated. Completely insulated. Yeah, they were. They were self-governing. There was no regulation. Um, they were given a pretty much a free hand. You know, they had this piety, this air of piety around them from the community who, you know, it was it was an aspirational uh, thing for uh, for somebody to become a priest in an Irish family for, for many, many years. Um, and I have, I have to say, you know, as much as I'm respectful of people's faiths, I have uh, uh, the, uh, the idea of them it being necessary to them, I respect that for them, even though I don't respect any organized religion or disorganized one. But when it comes to the Catholic Church as an organization, I don't have one scintilla of compassion, understanding, anything. I just think they're the most heinous, corrupt, separatingly vile organization that's ever been on the planet. But I imagine a lot of the people that sort of you know, dealt with that in terms of the, having a, a very active relationship with the church. I, I, I don't imagine that it shattered their faith, but I, I'm sure it challenged their ability to forgive and certainly destroyed the community on some level. You're talking about carnage, emotional, psychological, spiritual, and physical carnage mm. across a country. They, they, just, they destroyed the lives of people who invested the care of their children. To these people, it's it's unspeakable. What, do, are you uh, uh, not that you're a spokesperson for for uh, you know what's happening? But I mean, what, have they made any concessions? Is there any sort of attempt to reinvent anything? Or? Well, I mean, no, they paid it money. Right. They tried to address it That's through funny. money. It's just horrible. It is disgusting at every level. Before we go, just tell me about like Russia a little bit and and performing for you know countries that you, you know. I mean, is there? Because I, I, my nervousness about performing in places, even when I go to Ireland, is that there's going to be that beat or two where you're like, do they get it or do they not get it? Okay, there's a laugh. Uh, you know, am I- well, what the great thing in Russia, what the great uh, advantage uh, I, I had, and um, indeed anybody who, who, who would go would have, is that there's this huge level of interest. The people who came whose English, who, who are confident enough in their English, um, are uh, 
very willing to listen. And uh, they're a most extraordinarily generous giving people as an audience. Uh, you know, I came out, the stage was covered in cakes and vodka. And um, and they, they couldn't have been more up for it. Yeah. And um, it was a great experience. It was a great experience because it felt like, you know, this is why hasn't this happened before? To, so we can compare notes. And yeah. I was really nervous about, am I going to get this all wrong? And, you know, the very first performance I did have a moment where I thought, oh, God, I've lost the room. Yeah. Just for a minute or so. And then, yeah. and then it was fine. And then, and then afterwards, it was just great. So people would, you know, listen, and then they would laugh, and then they would clap. So it felt like being a Victorian lecturer, you know, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But it was just... And you learned to pace yourself? Like, yeah, okay. you just kind of g- so, deal uh, with that. <laughs> Here we are, is the thing. You're like, ah, clap. And then again, again, again. So it was, it was just ter- terrific, terrific. And how old are your kids? Uh, my kids are 10 and 14. And they, like, uh, what effect has that had on your, uh, your humbling? Well, oh, oh, it's key, isn't it? I think I uh, don't know. I don't have any. Well, yeah. it's it's a major it's a major part for anybody who has who has, has children. You learn so much, and you 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 get uh, this. You know, they they just throw all your bullshit back at you. So it's great. There's you know where to run. So you're right. So once you get caught on your bullshit, you're like, ah, oh, he's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have he's to right. I'm so short. <laughs> <laughs> How can you be that right and that short? Well, it was great talking to you, man. No, thanks for taking the time. Thanks a lot, Mark. That was fun. I enjoyed talking to him. There's so much I don't know about across the pond. Look, that's the end of our show uh, for now. And please, let me reiterate, I'll be at the Fort Lauderdale Improv January 4th, 5th, and 6th, and good nights in Raleigh, North Carolina, the 10th, 11th, and 12th of January. Go to WTFPod.com. Buy some presents. Go to the merch section. Boomer Lives shirts are available. We're printing more. You can order them. You can get a a bag. You can get stickers. You can get other T-shirts. All kinds of fun stuff. Go to WTFPod.com. Go to the merch. You can kick in a few shekels there. You can uh, upgrade your regular app to the premium app. You can post a comment. You can... uh, you know, see pictures of me. You can see my calendar, all that stuff. WTFpod.com. Oh my God. It's been a long day, man. It's been a long day, and I'm still half filled with meat. Boomer lives! <laughs>